Hello and welcome to episode 262 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans' weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Salosi, and uh, together we're not recording to you as Retro Encounter, we are Team EMP. So first, the P to my M, Peter Treisenberg. It's showtime, folks. And the E to my me, Eva Padilla. What can I do for you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, The most appropriate response possible, Eva, because um, Final Fantasy X-2 is the game of the month this month. We're doing two episodes on FF X-2 today and next week, unless something unexpected happens. And Final Fantasy X-2 opens with a pop song with the the English phrase, What can I do for you? said many, many times. Um, I can hear you. And I can hear you, Peter, and if I hear you do that too much longer, then this is going to be the shortest episode in Retro Encounter history. Wouldn't have it any other way. Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not lying. That soundtrack was a bop. <laughs> yeah, it, um, Final Fantasy X-2 is the sequel to Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X is a mostly traditional Final Fantasy game. It, uh, you know, FF, FF is always sort of experimental within its own series, and FF10 was a early PlayStation game that was very beautiful, had these sort of early PS2 models, and was a story about a group of people going on a pilgrimage to save the world, and that uh, asked questions about sacrifice and uh, and religious dogma and a, and a lot of interesting themes. FF10 is a very well liked game, and its sequel opens with a stage pop song, and then a bunch of like, and then like a Charlie's Angels mission and Charlie's Angels po- poses. I've mentioned Charlie's Angels many times over the last month or two in podcasts. Sometimes, sometimes coincidentally, but today very on purpose because Final Fantasy X-2 is a slightly unusual, um, all all females, all female women on a mission game that. I'm I I'm gonna say it outright. I'm not sure why this game exists, but it sure is a video game. <laughs> it it is audacious. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Audacious it's... and like you had the nerve to make this. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like uh, uh, multiple times. I've uh, I should mention I'm early in chapter three. I played through the first two chapters over the past uh, two or two and a half weeks, um, tearing myself away from my sw- my switch and Hades to play this weird weird thing and multiple times playing it i'm i I like i put down the controller and just and just think and said out loud why are they making me do this it's (laughs) it's it's such a weird thing um i can't remember when is the massage mini game (laughs) uh right near the end of chapter two in the uh in the guado salam (laughs) manor mission uh i did that less than 48 hours ago you're just you're just sitting there like like why (laughs) Yeah, are, are we getting a little ahead of ourselves? Maybe a bit. Uh, we um, are, but um, but l- let's back it up a little bit. Uh, Final Fantasy X, not X two, is a game that is uh, v- well known to all of us as it was the second game that Retro Encounter ever uh, covered. Retro Encounter 
uh, I believe, debuted in May of 2015, and Final Fantasy X were the June 2015 episodes. And, yeah, this uh, has been and, a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so it's been over five years since we played that one. And um, I was playing Final Fantasy X for the second time. I played it, like, over a decade earlier and sort of didn't like it. it I, I, I was not a big FF10 fan, but I, had, I, but I did play it in the early 2000s. But playing it again for the podcast had me uh, appreciate it a little more. It's like, okay, I was really... I was mad about the linearity and so, and, uh, and and parts of the sphere grid, but I didn't appreciate how beautiful this game is and how it has a couple themes that it that, that it stays tight with. And this is a good RPG. Like, I, I'm not an FF10 superfan, but it's good. And I still, it, even though I enjoy it, I still have trouble justifying Final Fantasy X too. So, uh, uh, <laughs> but Peter, I know you're a big FF10 fan, and you were on those 2015 episodes with me. Uh, I was. Yeah, tell me a little bit about your ba- background with FF10 and X2. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, I've been on this podcast long enough that people probably know. Ten is one of my favorite Final Fantasies. I really love it. It was one of the first ones I finished. I love the setting. I love its themes, and I love its characters. Um, so how do I feel about Ten Two, a sequel which does its best to separate itself from the pack? Um, I don't hate it. I think it's I think it's a fun video game with a pretty good combat system and a pretty good job system, um, and some kernels of good ideas in the narrative sprinkled here and there. Um, and I don't, I, and, and I, I think at the time when I first played it, I first played this like back to back with the original 10. Um, I was very tired of Spira after that, that those couple weeks, let me tell you. Um, uh, and at the time I was, I think I was thrown for a loop playing it back to back, playing it in isolation. Now um, I'm like a little more receptive to it. I think it's like, okay, this is silly but I'm having an okay time and there is a lot going on that I could see people diving, diving into. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely also playing this with, uh, the benefit of distance and hindsight. I, um, this game came out in 2013, in 2003 and I, uh, did not play it when it came out. This is my first time playing it past the first hour. I bought, uh, the HD remaster of final fantasy 10 and 10 two. Um, I'm not exactly sure when in the early 2010s, uh, like in, in the within a year of it coming out, I'd have to it, look up exactly. It came when that out. Was. It came out in 2013. I'm pretty sure okay, because so yeah, I, I think I bought it sophomore year of college. All right, yeah, that sounds about right. I think I so I probably bought it in 2014, and I used that PS3 copy to play FF10 for the podcast five years ago, and I dusted off the old PS3 uh, to, to play FF10 2 for the podcast because I, I didn't want to buy this again if I couldn't help it, and the and I had to go through something like 15 full minutes of updates on the PS3 to have this going because the last time I had used the PS3 for something was. Uh, playing Kingdom Hearts on it in early 2019 for this podcast. Um, so, uh, yeah, it had been a while. But, uh, Eva, um, tell us a little bit about your background with FF10 and FF10 too. I, I know you haven't been playing Final Fantasy for quite as long as Retro Encounter has been existing. Yeah, so I first... So I was, like, aware of this game when I was a kid. Like, I, I had seen the cover and such, and... Um, like maybe I'd seen friends playing it a couple of times, but never engaged with it until late 2018. It was the first, it was the second 
um, Final Fantasy game I had ever tried to play after trying Final Fantasy XIII three times. Um, I've since tried that a fourth time and didn't go through <laughs> with it again. Um, I dropped it. I dropped it that time after about 10 hours. I picked it back up in December of 2019, at least uh, FF10. Um, I really liked it. Um, there's, I really love the battle system in 10. I mean, just a really, really good turn-based system that um, has a great usage of character roles through the sphere grid. Um and I like the story. I love Yuna a lot. <laughs> and uh, I had never played Ten Two 2 before uh, up until playing it for the show. And I love the opening scene. I <laughs> love some, some of the designs. Um, and the combat can be quite snappy and interesting. Um, but we'll go into more of the things that I'm not too fond of about it. Yeah, um, and I want to talk about some of the basics of gameplay before we go through the story, because we'll, we'll at least go through the first two chapters, um, and we can and we can talk about the overall themes and the ending of the story in part two of the podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, this game is sometimes a step forward, sometimes a step backward, and sometimes a step to the side. If you compare, if you if you consider it a follow up to Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X had a really elegant, very communicative turn-based battle system that had, you know, speed stats and initiative uh, positions on that sort of turn-ordered thing, but uh, was not an active time battle system. Final Fantasy X-2 goes backward. It's like Final Fantasy IX. It has an ATB system with meters and and active and wait modes, and uh, there's no difficulty setting, but you can basically, like, turn enemy actions to fast to make it way harder. Oh, I've seen I've seen I've seen people compare Ten Two's battle system to Grandia, um, not in that in that um, there's a combo system if you can line up multiple attacks. So they try to add this element of strategy to the active time battle system, but I don't think it ever really impacts anything. Uh, th- that's not not why it would be compared to Grandia. Grandia has a uh, has sort of a meter with everyone traveling alongside it in turn order. And the, the final segment of the meter is when people are casting their spells or preparing their attacks. And if you hit an enemy with uh, a stun or, or a delay attack when they're charging, they get knocked back into the meter. And you can manipulate turn order and manipulate the enemy taking action very easily. And Final Fantasy X-2 has something like that where you can get knocked out of casting or knocked out of preparing an attack so, somewhat easily, and you can do the same thing for enemies if you use a delay skill or a very fast charge skill while they're preparing an attack. But yeah. it, it's not represented on a meter the way it is very clearly in Grandia and Grandia Two. Um, uh, but it, it, it's it's basically a classic Final Fantasy ATB, but with a uh, with a class system that is a little bit like um, a Final Fantasy Tactics, because you're, you're, you're leveling up jobs, but you can choose which order you uh, you invest skills in. It's, uh, it's not quite the same as a as a job system that has set upgrades with every uh, with, with every job level increase, like Final Fantasy V. And, but they keep the Final Fantasy Sphere Grid in garment grids, which are an equipable items that basically present each character with the array of jobs they have access to and gives them bonuses and and extra skills sometimes 
if you change jobs mid-battle. And changing jobs mid-battle is not something that's typical of Final Fantasy. So yeah. it's, it, 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 it's weirdly um, like an old FF and like FF10 and not like anything we've seen before. And it just has so many unusual visual choices that are kind of like more extreme versions of what FF10 was. Um, I, I, I am from the very moment where uh, Yuna is a pop star singing on stage in Luca, then she escapes with something, and then she's stopped by Riku, uh, a new character named Pain, and another Yuna because the stage Yuna was an imposter, um, and. <laughs> So it's it's almost like a um like like a heist like you're foiling someone else's heist mission, and uh, the reward is the sphere that this new character used to turn into a likeness of Yuna, and that gives Yuna uh, or that gives your whole party songstress powers. So you you basically stop an imposter pipe pop idol and gain pop idol powers as a result in the first thirty minutes of the game. Not even, like, for ten minutes, maybe. Yeah. It's like, it is a reach coming off of ten, um, which was, for the most part, pretty somber. Um, ten two is almost immediately a refutiation of of Ten's solemnity. Like, um, even just how Yuna goes from wearing her old costume, like, her, it, it's the imposter, but, you know, the audience is not supposed to know that yet. Um mm-hmm. The, how she goes from wearing her old kimono into the new, like, sexy, uh, uh, air quotes, sexy, uh, songstress garb. Um, it's like, it, it really is kind of a, a mission statement, like, right out of the gate. Yeah, this is not the, uh, demure priestess Yuna. This is a sassy new pop idol Yuna. Who, and it, who and 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 there and like I'm singing in Final Fantasy X was a ritual to uh, you know send the souls of the of the dead to um, safely to the afterlife and now singing is something that <laughs> Yuna does in Final Fantasy II to to celebrate and to uh, and to, you know to to be a pop star I guess because uh, in, pr- pr- the presumption is. They solved the problem in FF10. The, uh, the world is no longer being terrorized by a monster called Sin, and uh, they're in a time that there is being referred to as the Eternal Calm. So, like a the Spira, the world of FF10 is no longer dangerous in that way. But in, in Yuna has retired from her role as a summoner and is and did not want to have a leadership role in the in sort of the the religious order that dominates most of Spira um because for many many reasons that order had lost the trust of the populace over the course of FF10 and now is a sphere hunter um so she's flying around on uh on a big ship with a few with Riku and Pain and a few other characters looking for spheres which are records of the past uh, that almost like videotapes that contain memories sometimes uh, sometimes powers there's a lot of sphere collecting in FF10 as well but in FF102 you're mostly looking for spheres as relics of the past and and the the inciting incident is um Yuna is found a sphere that of a character that looks a lot like Titus uh, the protagonist from 10 and her uh, boyfriend who disappeared at the end of the game so that's like mm-hmm. our quote unquote our our mission in the old is to find out what that's about. Um, do, any yeah, of it, it, do any of us care that much about what's happening to him? Uh, no, I, I don't I like, think it's, I like I, Titus. I don't know really love Shuyan. I, I, I don't think it's Titus. Oh, so his name is Shuyan. Okay. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. It, it's it's um, fine. Uh, but like, it's not I, like I, you're, I you're you're like right there anyway. 
I didn't think it's it was Titus because his shorts are evenly sized. Um, his, mostly, he, he he has a slightly different design, and his voice, um, especially during a couple of the Sphere recordings, is very different. Like I think they yeah. may have gotten James Arnold Taylor to do a couple lines. Oh, like, the, the famous voice actor of Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. um, but but yeah, it, it is it is a different character whose story we are going to talk about in the next episode. But I do think that's one of the better parts of the game. Um. I also really like the dichotomy between um, New Yevon, uh, the remains of the old religious order from Ten, and the Youth League. Um, there is, a, again, a kernel of a theme of an idea that is, a kernel of an idea of a theme that is like, we're picking up the pieces of our world and trying to figure out where to go from here. And a big part of that involves the control of information and, and, um, what, and, and what we do with these relics of the past. I'm not sure it goes anywhere with that, well, it but doesn't, it's it doesn't definitely start, there. It, it doesn't go anywhere at all. It's Yuna decided to be a sphere hunter, and the you, when you have control of where you can go in the game, it's basically, hey, we got some readings of some spheres. Now visit anywhere you want in Final Fantasy X, uh, but these three places are the, are the places with spheres. Because it's like kind of an open world game, but not really. Where you just open up your menu and yeah, it's like sure. here are all, here is the entire world of Spira from the word go. Yeah, this so this I feel like this game is a major problem with uh, with like signposting because um, yes. I um, if I'm not consulting a guide, I feel like I don't know where the heck I'm going a lot of the time. You know, if you just go by what's a hot spot, it's like, okay, if I go by what's a hot spot, that should make sense. But no, if you go to, if you try to go to Guadalajara early in chapter two, when it says hot spot, you actually need to go to three places before that. That are not marked. Exactly. Yeah, you, right. It, 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 it's weird. They tell you the um, signposting for the next, where the next major plot elements take place with these yellow marks, but then they break their own rules and then the underlying idea is they don't actually want you to go there. They want you to re-explore every location from Final Fantasy X uh, at, at, at each chapter. So <laughs> because, many recycled assets. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I am I, I, not going to pretend that is, this is as easy as copy-paste. It, it isn't. That video game development is not like that. But they do uh, reuse large parts of the environments and art assets from Final Fantasy X here. And, and they, but they do so in a way like in Final Fantasy X, you were visiting uh, each region in a linear fashion. In Ten Two, you have most of the world map from the very beginning, and the and, and there's this underlying idea: oh, you should try and go for 100% completion. Because whenever I looked up anything about this game, there was 100% guide. Choose this if you want 100%. That, like, like uh, here's 100%. And, but then, and there's a percentage marker in the menu when you're playing the game, but it's not very well communicated what increases it and what doesn't. No, and, um, and it, I'm pretty sure um, it is impossible to do on a first playthrough. Because this game does have a new game plus, and there is a binary choice at the beginning of Chapter 2. That locks mm-hmm. out some side content, but not all of the side content. When I was looking it up, they said that uh, you can get 100% on their first playthrough, and you have to pick the Youth League if you, uh, if you, at the beginning of Chapter oh, 2 if, okay. you're go- if, you're going, if you're going for that on your first playthrough. But it's so ultra-specific, because there is, um, there is like the, the final dress sphere, 
and a special ending if you beat the game with one, with a 100% rating. And it, it's it's so obnoxiously checklisty without really telling without really showing you the full checklist that I, I, I was annoyed. Like like, like I, I'm going I'm playing this game and I want to play I want to experience most of it. Because uh, again, I'm going to podcast about it for two episodes. But the but it's it's like, am, am I supposed to try and do every side quest? Do they want me to do every side quest? Because I I just spent thirty minutes chasing a chocobo up and down a path. Well, when the solution was to run away from it, and I, I hated everything about it. Because it, <laughs> basically, this this game takes place in five chapters, and each chapter has uh, has new activities or new dialogue at each of the major locations and a lot of them have new side quests or new mini games or new uh or new characters to interact with but a lot of it is just not interesting i i I spent over an hour calibrating lightning towers a few (laughs) nights ago in chapter two because uh, because i heard that if you did all 10 of them that you would get a ribbon in chapter four or five and i'm like well i know what a ribbon is in final fantasy those are really good and i just (laughs) I I managed to do I think eight of them, but the last two I'm just like I I just gave up. It's like I'll, I'll take the second place prize for doing the first for doing the first five. Thanks. I I am I am I am dangerously close to just mainlining the rest of this game because I am so annoyed at. I, I mean I, I don't know Tensu, if I like it. I don't know if I like any of these mini games. <laughs> Tensu has a lot of junk, um, and 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 I can see a certain subset of the RPG community really enjoying that. I know a friend of mine um, is a really big fan of this game um, because he likes to go for a hundred percent completion. He likes to have kind of he, I, it, it harkens back to an earlier time in RPG design when games were allowed to have secrets and mysteries, but it goes overboard in that direction. Like I'm sorry, there's a major side quest involving. Um, several red spheres that unlocks a optional dungeon that is connected to the main villain's story. Um, that is the 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 impetus for this quest line isn't till chapter two, but it is impossible to complete unless you went there in chapter one unprompted, and that drives me insane. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't mind games being a little obtuse in or hiding secrets. It's just I, I don't think these are very interesting secrets, and it, I'm most not of in, them aren't. But the whole optional dungeon that ties into the villain's backstory is something I would have liked to see. Um, if I had, I mean, if I had had multiple saves and save scummed like crazy, <laughs> uh, it's just that 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 bothers me. Most of it, like I agree, like the chocobo hunting, the lightning calibration sphere break god that mini game is not good it kind of seems it kind of seems like how everyone talks about the witcher 3 where they're saying oh you know every side quest leads to another thing it's another interesting story beat with an interesting theme that wasn't explained in the main story or something and this is like the opposite of it where you still have like (laughs) these things this sort of branching that occurs but none of it, at least to me, is interesting. And I'm, yeah, I'm with you on this, Solosi, that I'm just going to try to level up as well as I can to make it through the story and just kind of go through it. I feel like I've gotten what this game is kind of going for. I get it, and I uh, I like some of the things that it's doing. Um, 
I, you know, as someone who was previously in a more kind of uh, direct role in community organizing and politics, who went and focused more on music, I get it. <laughs> but, you know, but... This is um, your JRPG origin story. Right, right, right. Go, go off and do... And, be a songstress i you know if only i was more religious it would have been perfect but um <laughs> it was like that opening scene was like oh i'm really excited to be playing ff10 too heck yeah this is gonna be a lot of fun and it's just kind of gone downhill um pretty much the second you see leblanc you see leblanc's plunging v-neck yeah, oh, yeah. LeBlanc is the woman who was disguised as Yuna at the at the first scene of the game. She's a rival sphere hunter, and uh, she has two, you know, real Salt and Pepper, Tweedledee and Tweedledum sidekicks who are uh, the, the awful. The, yeah, not 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 my favorite sidekicks, but uh, this game just wants you to re-explore every corner of Spira. And, um, but the problem is, I think there isn't a lot that's that interesting to re-explore. Um, it's, it's trading on Final Fantasy X nostalgia, which is fine. This is a sequel. It says Final Fantasy X 2 right in the title. But, I mean, is it, is it worth it, uh, going to Thunder Plains and recalibrating 10 towers with 10 fairly challenging timing minigames? Or, uh, or, or going back to Luca and playing this, um, a number puzzle game for uh a long time to get uh to get certain rewards i i've played a little bit of sphere break and i kind of don't hate this one i, I kind of like that i kind of I, I i like number games this reminds me of playing uh of playing 24 or sometimes called catch 24 in a in elementary school which was a, a, a math card game that uh was I, I i guess had a bit of run of popularity in the 90s but um it, it, it feels like empty calories. They want to fill this game with side quests and recontextualization, and it rarely works. Um, one of the better scenes in Chapter 1 is going back to Besaid and uh, speaking with Waka and Lulu again. Uh, Waka is, uh, has some anxiety because he's about to be a dad, and Lulu looks amazing for being seven months pregnant. Um, <laughs> it's the yeah. same character model, and she's still yeah. wearing a corset. <laughs> yeah, she's still wearing a corset made of belts and, uh, and a truly insane décolletage, uh, but she is, she is with child somehow and still looking the same. Uh, and, and Waka... Uh, leads you to an area where an old where he knows an old sphere is hidden, but he doesn't want to see the video that's on it because he thinks it might. Uh, uh, he thinks his parents might be on there, and he doesn't want to change the memory of his parents from when they died, protecting him and his brother from uh, from a sin attack as a child. And, and it's like, huh, you know that that was an interesting part of Waka's character in FF10. This is an appropriate context in FF10 too. And they, they brought back uh, John DiMaggio to, to voice Waka in English again. This was a, a pretty good Waka moment. But that's like, that's like the only – like that and the opening scene are like the only interesting parts in Chapter 1. And in, in, uh, when you go and meet the Gullwings on the, their airship, the Celsius, for the first time, uh, the, the, you have a truly infuriating child named Shinra, a pretty normal-seeming dude named Buddy. And then Riku's brother, appropriately named Brother, uh, doing his best impersonation of Dan Aykroyd as the Czechoslovakian wild and crazy guy. Um, <laughs> oh my! I didn't think I didn't think about that. And now I will never be able to unhear it. It it, 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 it is. They may. It's all. It almost feels a little racist how buffoonish he acts with his broken with his broken uh, language and. Uh, 
truly bizarre enthusiasm enthusiasm and thirst for everything Yuna. Yeah, like, uh, it's funny because I'm pretty sure he was in <laughs> 10, but even then the Albed weren't as caricaturish as this guy was. Like, Yeah, yeah, they, all the Albed turn into symbol monkeys except for the Machine Faction, which is the faction I secretly wanted to join instead of all those assholes in the Youth League and New Yevon. Same, same. There's... Nuge and his, uh... Yeah, Nuge and his, Nuge oh and his terrible hair and clothes, and Barilai was with his much better hair, but uh, but a you know uh, a religious creepiness that I didn't enjoy. Like I, I didn't want to choose a faction. It's like, do I have to side with me- either of these jerks? Meanwhile, I can't, meanwhile, I can't Jipple just keep... is just chill. <laughs> and 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 yeah, and uh, and, and and also the Ronso out there doing their Ronso thing. Uh, um, uh, separate from all of this, good for them. And, uh, oh man, the, the Guados, one of the sadder moments of the game is all the Guados are in hiding in Makalania because there are remnants of New Ye- of, uh, of, of the Youth League and all of the Ronsos want to kill the Guados for almost taking over the world in a coup involving, uh, Seymour, their, uh, their, their sort of summoner slash despot. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and those are those moments like that are like some of the few moments in the game that are actually like, oh look, we're exploring consequences and what happens after all. Yeah, this. that's interesting. I want more of that. Yeah, like like um, like talking to the sad Guado mayor and talking to Waka again. Th- those moments are pretty good, but they're so few and far between because the rest of the game feels so empty. Um, and I, I, I mean, this is like. Like, 20 side quests in search of a main quest. You have invoked the name of Mevanuj. We have to, like, oh, on, on the whole, we have to talk about the fashion. Because, yes. this, like, he is, the, he is the crux of, like, there are some, like, I'm, I'm not the most fashionable person in the world, but I do like fashion. I, like, it is an interest. Some of these things... Some of these designs and some of these fashion choices actually make me angry. <laughs> like they're just like some of them. Some of them I like. I like Payne's design. Um, I like the base designs for Payne, Yuna, and Riku. Um, uh, little un- little unsure about Riku's, but yeah, Riku's wearing a bikini top and a thong, which seems a little inappropriate. But then you go around, it's like, oh. Everybody was wearing thongs. Like half of the Albed women are just in are are just in thongs. And there's even a side quest where you steal the clothes of three women, and you, and tw- two of those three times you see someone running away wearing only a thong. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it is with this world and thongs, but it's I mean, like it's in terms of LeBlanc's design. And Nuge's Do you think Nuge is wearing a thong under all that? I'm sure he's wearing a thong under that. And hey, I'm not like I'm not a like a thong hater. I I don't know how to I don't know how to word that non weirdly, but like, but the, the a lot of these designs are just so much. And I'm not someone who dislikes um, Tatsuya Nomura's character designs generally. Like I even like some of the stuff from the Bouncer, but but these ones are just too much in a lot of cases. And I think it negatively impacts um, the game for me with the dress sphere system because I don't like a lot of the dress spheres at just how they look I like, visually. I like a lot of them. Um, I like most... I like Yuna's warrior design in that she has the Brotherhood, Titus's sword. I like how they mm-hmm. all have their own unique um, elements. Um, that I think that's cool. It's not just the same costume for each of them. 
The the okay. samurai and Dark Knight dress fears. Uh, Yuna and Riku are both wearing uh, both use swords that were Oron swords in Ten, and Pain uh-huh. has sort of her own new version of an FF10 samurai sword for beat for both of, or heavy sword yeah. for both of them. Yeah. It's uh, which but, it is worth getting the Dark Knight job job class if you um. There's a puzzle in Bavel that's optional, but um. You can get it on the main story path. It's the best dress sphere in the game, IMHO. <laughs> it, it's very good. I, again, I'm, I'm early in Chapter 3. I just, just, just got Samurai and Alchemist and have, and have been using uh, Dark Knight for maybe 90 minutes. With those three, it's like, oh, I don't think I ever want to use any other dress sphere ever again unless it's for white magic or something. Because <laughs> because they're, they're really kick-ass. Um, I like the dress sphere system as jobs. Um, I, I like having bonuses for switching jobs in battle. I like uh, the I like the gameplay design of a lot of them. Maybe not all of them, but like like these are interesting versions of like warrior, thief, white mage, black mage. Um, white mage and black mage can't attack unless they're berserked. They uh, they just they uh, white mage gets um free a couple free weak heals if you don't want to cast a spell, and black mage. Uh, has a an MP absorb that uh, they can use if they run out of MP, and so it's, it's like it's sort of um. It's, give, it's giving every class something to do that's maybe a little bit more interesting than the FF5 versions of these classes, and that and that's cool. Um, but just the visual design of everything is so weird. Uh, we, I mean, we we talked about Nuge for a minute. He's he's the leader of the young of the youth league fashion, and he's wearing a uh, some kind of cloth bodysuit. I'm looking at an image right now. Uh, one a shoulder pad on one arm, a giant like fur covering on the other arm, a metal claw on the arm that has a shoulder pad, a cane, and armor over just one thigh. Uh, and his hair is truly insane. Um, he has sort of multiple dreads, then a then a complete comb over to one side, and then a, a giant ponytail that comes up like a lightning bolt, and then goes about four and a half feet in front of him. Honestly, it's probably the colors that upset me the most. Like these these colors just they they just don't go well in the proportions and it just I'm looking at him right now and it feels like my eyes are lightly burning. Um <laughs> it's I, I hate I hate his hair so much. It's, but it's but like the fashion hair. choices are so weird in this game. It's bad hair. The yeah. the thing with the Part of the thing with the dress spheres, though, is that when I think about jobs um, in Final Fantasy, I'd assign them based on kind of how the personality, like how I think of a character's personality. And so I really haven't experimented with having characters really run through multiple ones. Like I have uh, Riku using Black Mage a lot, but I don't. But that's not Riku. I just that's a powerful um, dress sphere for now. But that doesn't feel like Riku to me. And like Thief and Festivalist do, but they're not as useful right now. And Pain, I just keep her as a warrior for right now. <laughs> yeah, um, nothing did else. You, uh, did you unlock? Did you unlock the Psychic job, which is which is not in in PS2 FF102, but it is in the remasters? I have not unlocked that yet, but I'm planning to do so. I I unlocked it sort of early. Uh, one of the zillion side quests in this game is uh, raising your own army of monsters, and uh, it, you you can sort of recruit monsters, level them up by feeding them items, uh, and have them enter tournaments. And uh, if you just win one tournament, which is just three matches in a row, 
against monsters that are in the level 15 to 20 range. Then you get the psychic job, uh, Dress Sphere. It's weird. It, it's like... It's like they're trying to make a game that's more like a futuristic anime than what FF10 is. So they're uh, so Pain, Yuna, and Riku are dressed kind of like, kind of like students, but with like weird shades and psychic powers, and they get passives that let them uh, be immune to every damage type. Mm. <laughs> but it, but it takes a long time to master. I, th- I think like I think it takes about like 500 AP to master Dark Knight and like. 2000 to master psychic it's something crazy but man you want to you want to talk about weird modern slash futuristic uh could we talk about uh the yojimbo in yuna's band at the beginning that's on drums oh my god yeah yeah. those yeah the, the the crazy drum set guy it's like he's it's it's like he's playing an entire set of uh um of of taiko drums and a and like an electronic drum set and spinning around in a circle because he has them surrounding him l- 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 like marching band tenors but just an entire hula hoop full of them. It's like that's the first one of the first things you see in the game and it's like what it's literally it's, it's like Slipknot I I want to fight that guy. It's Slipknot goes J-pop. <laughs> <laughs> like like the ghost of Neil of Neil Pert just came down and said this guy needs to settle down with his drum kit, okay? Look man, if Corey Taylor if Corey Taylor was in this game, it would be like go up by 10% in my <laughs> estimation. <laughs> but yeah, it, it uh I I mean, I think th- this is one of the earlier glimpses I have uh, as a, a a casual fan of Japanese things and an enthusiastic fan of Japanese RPGs of sort of Japanese pop music in an RPG. Like I, like I mean, Tales of Fantasia in 1995 had a, had a pop vocal track opening the game, but actually having part of the plot be a pop singer and you get and you get singer powers is a little uncommon. But but only a couple years after this, we have things like Risei and Persona Four and uh, uh, and and everything about um, about Sakura Taizen Five. It's it, <laughs> for for some reason. There is an intersection of J-pop and JRPGs that we're probably more used to now, but must have seemed even weirder in tw- in 2003, right? Am, am, am I crazy? But this, this seems like an early example of J-pop celebration within a JRPG. No, I, I don't think I don't think that's a that's a wild thing to say. Especially, yeah, J-pop was not really um, celebrated much in the U.S. at that point. You know, they brought in at the time a pretty big pop star and. Uh, Kumikoda, I think, to do real emotion um, for this game, and it's cool that there's that in there's that infusion of that, and there's influences from '70s funk in the soundtrack and everything. Um, I was actually curious. Yeah. I was actually curious because because Mike, you had played I, uh, um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions earlier this year. Mm-hmm, I did. And and how like how does kind of the the J-pop influence in that compare to this? It's much more present. Um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions is a 2015 or 2016 game, and I played the Switch port of it earlier this year. Uh, that game is about the J-pop industry. You are uh, you work every char- every playable character in this game it works at the same talent agency. A couple of them are trying to be actors. A couple of them are uh, trying to be pop stars, and uh, one of them is sort of the main character, is sort of the, the manager of everyone else. So, uh, and you even unlock performances for special attacks. Uh, and and uh, the the monsters in the game are a little bit like Persona Shadows, but instead of draining someone's life force, they drain up they drain people's performa, which is 
the the someone's creativity and 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 want and sort of wish to perform. So it's it's a game that's sort of about J-pop excess and exuberance. Um, and, and but Final Fantasy X two just has J-pop as these weird plot points, and I I I, I hope I'm right with the timing on this. I think FF X two came out after Kingdom Hearts one, before Kingdom Hearts two, mm-hmm. and both Kingdom Hearts yes. games. Yeah, beg pardon. Yeah, you're correct. Oh, okay. Um, and both Kingdom Hearts games have these uh, really iconic um, pop song openings uh, that, that that made me wonder if, if around the early 2000s, Square executives or Square Enix people were thinking, hmm, we, I think there's a real intersection of fans of JRPGs and fans of J-pop. Let's try to bring J-pop into JRPGs a little bit. And that's where – and so these three games are just an early example of this. Like it's it's not – it, like like I don't the think persona, that's like Persona Four, you you have a pop star in in the main cast. Tokyo Mirage Sessions is to a degree about pop music. Both of those are Atlas games, and maybe that has something to do with it as well. There's a whole pop star subquest in Yakuza Five, which came out in I think 2015 or 2016. Uh, there's like like there, uh, J-pop is a part of JRPGs and and Japanese a lot of Japanese games now, whether you want to avoid it or not, but. It is. It just feels out of place for how mostly normal and serious Final Fantasy X was to what Final Fantasy X two is. And but to a degree, I don't mind it. Like having the songstress dress sphere where you can distract enemies or boost your allies with singing and dancing. That's fine. I used to like, yeah, okay. D- d- tell me what this song and this dance does, and I can choose up choose how to level up my character. I love this. But it's just it, it, it was just a, a weird moment seeing. All the all the J-pop in FF102 infused with a job system that I think is mostly pretty good. Like I think there's, uh, oh shoot, I looked this up yesterday, but I think I think there's uh, 14 dress spheres normally, then two that they added for the uh, for the remastered version, which is I, I, my biggest complaint with the job system is I'd like a little more. Like uh, Final Fantasy V has 22 jobs, Bravely Default and Bravely to Second and Bravely Second have 24 and 30. Uh, I, I, I sort of would like to, you know, break into 20, so I would have magic damage options other than Black Mage and Festivalist. <laughs> yeah. Even though throwing out goldfish is very fun as a Festivalist. <laughs> mm. And, and, uh, having characters with psychic, uh, in the psychic costumes floating in the air and then adjusting their sunglasses while lounging in midair as a, as a victory <laughs> sequence. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, some of their victory, some of the victory quotes and sh- are pretty funny. Um, I, I find it funny that Riku says like fire burn and cauldron bubble whenever she turns into a black mage. I'm like, does Macbeth exist in Spira? Oh, totally. You know that, you know that like Macbeth is just, He's just gonna look like Nuge or something. Like, just imagine that together. What? Oh my god! What does the Albed theater scene look like? Oh, man. It, it, it's 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 Nuge, but he has like Michael Fassbender's face. Oh god, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like want to. I don't want to see. <laughs> I don't want to see Nuge compared with anyone. I I want Nuge to stay in this game and never come out because it's. I, I, like, I, the, okay. the fashion choices are so weird, but it's uh. I think your I think your point about the um, this game's kind of being on the cusp of a new wave of a uh, J-pop influenced JRPGs is not um, is is warranted. Um, it is. I, I also think it's also kind of a lineage of um, starting from Final Fantasy VIII. They kind of had a vocal theme in every Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Eyes on yeah. me. Um, 
uh, the one from Final Fantasy IX, which is really good, but I'm blanking on the name at the uh, moment. Melodies of Life? That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Um, Ten even had Sudeki Dane, um, Isn't It Wonderful, which is... It's not. I mean, it is kind of a pop song. It's more orchestral, and it's meant to be like it's for. A, it plays during a very emotional scene. But, 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 then, but, but it's but it's still a crucial vocal theme. Yes. Whereas here, um, uh, uh what can I do for you? Or uh, the, that that main song is pretty. I mean, it's it's definitely like it catches your attention, and it's definitely bold. But it doesn't have a lot, seem to have much story relevance. There is a second concert scene. I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I want to reassure you guys. Um, That's cool. Uh, it's, it's more interesting than what else, than the other stuff going on in the story. It is a thousand a thousand words. The second one is a very good song and one of my favorite scenes in the game. So I will I will actually go to bat for that when we come back next time. But <laughs> but let's hit some of the story points um, uh, while we're uh, talking about the future a little bit. Uh, in, in chapter one, they just start out looking for spheres. You're encouraged slash not told to do side quests. <laughs> because you have this ominous completion percentage hanging over your head. But you go back to Xanderkind ruins and it's been turned into a tourist trap. I think that's mm-hmm. actually kind of interesting. That, that too. is interesting. Even, yeah, yeah p- poor Isaru embarrassing himself trying to like like turn the the cloister of trials area where you fought Unaleska into like a haunted house. It's like, hey, this is where we this is where we killed God, and and you didn't kill God. You, you 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 killed Lady Jesus. This is this is where we killed we killed fem, fem fem Jesus and uncovered the truth of our religious orthodoxy. Um, now it's like a haunted house attraction. <laughs> and there's a there's a monkey naming or monkey gathering side quest. There oh, it's not. It's, it's it is it is, it is monkey um dating. Monkey dating. Yeah, that monkey. That's that's it. You're, you're monkey matchmaking. Um. um but, yeah, jeez. And I, I re- and I and I think you get a soul of Tamasa for if you, if you do it. But and, and I when I was when I was looking at a no spoiler guide listing the side quests, it's like, huh, find thirty two monkeys. Nope, moving on. Um, I am just not gonna ever do that ever. Like I I I, I uh, spent so long calibrating lightning towers in chapter two. It was like the, it was like the first or second thing I did in chapter two. Just because the the way I was playing, and I and it exhausted me so much. I looked at all the other side quests and just decided. I might do a quarter of these. I am I am not going to get 100% completion. I kind of want to get all of the jobs that I can. I know the final job is locked behind 100% completion, so um, that that one's immediately uh not happening. But uh, oh, I think they I think they do give you a, a new way to get it in the, in the remaster version, but it's still a bunch of end game craziness. Uh but um but yeah, like, like the I found some of the side quests so exhausting. I'm basically going to check, keep checking this non-spoiler guide. And if there, if the side quest is like five paragraphs and there's no dress sphere, I'll just skip it. <laughs> yep. That's, that's been my, that's been my mode of operation as well. Um, but there, there is the, uh, the best mini game in the entire game, which is, can oh, you yeah. push three band members into an elevator? Oh God. It's the elevator. <laughs> I had to reset them. Twice, because for some reason the skinny one can't fit beside the yes. fat one. Yes, oh my and god. And you have to do the, you have to do the, uh, why? Oh my god. Like, it, and it's like the worst the, slippery controls ever. Yeah, and this game has a fixed camera, and a slightly, uh, 
slightly, you know, Iceman <laughs> stage and Mega Man 1 controls. So getting around is not always easy. So many games where you have to manipulate something or push something, which is, this is, this is, that's not the only one, but it's a, an obnoxious early one, is just terrible. Like, why are they doing this to us? It's so bad. Um, <laughs> We, nobody, it, nobody, nobody knows his name, so we just call him Barkeep. Have you considered asking his name? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like like high pillows really are second class citizens unless culturally they don't have names or something like they're. You know, you're half El Bed. I expected more of you. Yeah, like oh boy, like like they're Canary in Dragon Age, where they don't have names, just titles within their uh, role in the tribe. Uh, that's that's more than I've ever thought about high pillows before. Um, other than r- ride as a shoe puff? Okay, you can't even ride as a shoe puff in this game. Ugh, zero Disappointing. Out of ten. But, um, back to chapter one. They, f- they find uh, readings on the locations of a couple spheres. One of the early spheres they find has this image of a man that looks like Titus, which we mentioned earlier in the, uh, in the show. And, uh, eventually they find a reading for one in, uh, after the after the scene in Besaid with Waka and Lulu, and the scene in uh, Xanarkand where you see the tourist trap version of the ruins, you go back to Kilika, which is uh, where Ifrit was in Final Fantasy X Dash One, and and the temple there. The uh, there's a bunch of youth league people and a bunch of new Yevon people sort of facing off. Uh, the the youth league people demanding that the new Yevon people give up their sphere. Um, and, and the the crux of the conflict between them is that New Yevon wants to keep the church, the old church, around, but have new progressive leadership. But and uh, and um, well, while trying to hang on to some of the old, you know, religious tradition of the old order, but with but with a new generation of leadership led by this guy Barilai. While the Youth League are like, man, the, the church betrayed all everyone. They uh, were hiding information for us for centuries. They should give up all of the spheres they have and reveal all the truth of hist- of the past that uh, that's ever been to us. There, and there is a weird both sides ism to tend to yes. uh, <laughs> politics. That I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, but new, even calling your order new Yevon, like guys. You you spent a thousand years gaslighting your entire nation about the Godzilla whale that shows up. Um, I don't think any of you have a leg to stand on. <laughs> but but the but also the, the the youth the youth league isn't exactly behaving that well either. They're I mean they're uh, news is so creepy. <laughs> the, the, so new new Evans um, list of sins. <laughs> include oh, God, um, being connected being connected to Yevon, suppressing information, holding on to stodgy old religious traditions. And uh, the Youth League's major sin is Nuja's in it. <laughs> I will say, the politics are better than Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I is... just want an option to join the Machine Faction, who are... Basically, mo- uh, mostly former Albed second-class citizens that were trying to reclaim ancient technology and uh, and use it to improve the lives of uh, of of a populace that w- that rejected technology for centuries. Like that, that is the organization I want to side with. Yeah, they're actually like doing something useful. <laughs> Listen, I'm a person of simple of simple delights. If you put machinists in a game, I'm going to want to be one of them, and I'm going to be <laughs> upset if I can't. I mean, you can kind of be an yeah, alchemist, this... but, like, it's not the same. 
Alchemist and Gun Mage are a little machinist, and weirdly, I think they're two of my favorite classes that, uh, so far. Uh, <laughs> Gun Mage, they have Blue Bullet, which is the same as Blue Magic from old Final Fantasy games, and also uh, um, bullet skills that just deal a bunch of extra damage to specific monster types. So they're good in random battles and get some really, really nice blue bullets. While Alchemists can use items uh, with... In, without spending items, you just you have a long charge time instead. But those items, in, it takes a lot of AP, but those items can include mega potions and elixirs. So you can just get free elixir or free 2,000 heal to the whole party uh, without spending MP if you level up Alchemist a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really like Alchemist and Blue, Ma- and Blue Mage. And, and again, I mentioned how much I enjoy Samurai, Dar- uh, Samurai and Dark Knight. Those are the maybe the four classes I'm the, I'm the most excited to have around. But yeah, I think mechanically we're all pretty, at least combat-wise and job system-wise, we're all pretty high on this game, the, I think. The combat is normal. It feels like uh, it, it feels like Final Fantasy IX, but a little bit faster moving and a little bit more stun-locking. Uh, I, I just wish that this a job system like this was in a better game. Like I, I wish it had 20 jobs instead of 16, and I wish that the game was actually it, actually interesting. Because I I, I mean I mean I talked about uh, sort of the youth league and the uh, and New Yevon having a clash in Kilika. That's all of chapter one. It's it's just oh here are three spheres. Oh there's a conflict in Kilika and bye. That's yeah. That, Wait, that's what's basically on the- it. What's on the awesome sphere, um, quote unquote, is um, a vision of again the same man who looks like Titus, um, and a new Machina weapon that they ominously refer to as Vegnagun, um, which is the main crux of the conflict for the rest of the game. Um, but, and that is, and that is kind of like kind of a generic like okay, there's a the, the bad guy has a doomsday weapon, mm-hmm. we gotta go. And it, it, it seems that New Yevon wanted to hide Vegnagun from everyone because they thought it would it, it, like because uh, again uh, the Yevon Church was anti-machine for a long, long time. And this is like the grandpappy of all death machines. Yeah, and and the Youth League wants Vegnagun, and it's revealed that uh, that Nuge is in league with uh, with LeBlanc. Uh, that's her name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That just makes me think of. A different RPG characters named LeBlanc, but uh, and uh, it looks like news that wants Vegnagun for his own uh, nefarious purposes, which we don't really know yet. At the end of chapter two, and uh, it, towards the end of chapter two, um, the Gullwings, our main characters, decide to infiltrate Bavel to uh, to stu- to to dismantle Vegnagun or stop Vegnagun, or at least investigate what they saw on the different spheres. And they even uh, temporarily team up with LeBlanc for uh, for part of the infiltration. And I think if you sided with the Youth League at the beginning of Chapter 2, you have to fight through a bunch of New Yevon uh, soldiers. And if, yeah. But if you do side with New Yevon over the Youth League, then there's no soldiers to fight at all. You just stroll in and you don't fight any enemies until you get to, like, halfway down the dungeon. Spo- spoiler regarding news. Uh, communism was a red herring. Hmm. <laughs> okay, Wadsworth. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's it, it, it's definitely um that's definitely the part where the plot starts to like that is, that is kind of the main crux of the plot going forward is um mm, yeah the back and forth over Vegnagon. if someone if someone's got bad fashion and and uses communism for evil you're you're dead to me you're so <laughs> dead to me 
<laughs> well, you'll, you'll you'll see where it where it goes. Um, but um, I, I have some ideas, but m- most of those ideas are drowned out by how much I hated that Bavel dungeon. There's it's not, it's not good. Th- there's a, at the very beginning, you have to slide down a chain that's impossible to see and f- fight enemies in th- in six robot towers, and. If you if you go to the 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 right three towers, you fight a boss and can go on to the rest of the dungeon. But if you want to get all the treasure that's around there, you have to fight that same boss three more times, then fight a second more difficult boss four times, and then that'll unlock all the treasure in this weird camera changing, hard to see where you are uh, robot tower thing. And then if you go to if you get to the bottom of the robot tower. Um, whether you get all the treasure or not, you, there's the, the the weird spider web of pistons mini game, which there's a there's three or four treasure chests hiding behind pistons that go up and down, and you uh, yell to Riku to to step on the switch on and off to to navigate around the pistons. Completely pointless. The, 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 you get, there's two pretty good accessories there, one that like turns you into a berserk monster, and one that turns you into a ma- into a pure mage and like lowers your defense down to nothing. Which is, you know, interesting from a customization of your character standpoint. But like, like it, it was such a mi- a miserable two set pieces within a dungeon that I was just ready to end it by then. And uh, r- right after the pistons is uh, some teleporting, moving platform puzzles. That's, that's not very hard. Uh, that that's where the Dark Knight Dress Sphere is, and you definitely want that thing. Uh, and then you fight Barali, who is determined to keep every, anyone away from Vegnagun however possible. The only time I died in the whole game was against Barali because he has an attack that put that puts stop on all of your characters. <laughs> and yes. I I didn't I didn't have any anti stop stuff equipped, so he completely wrecked me. Um, then I re I fought him. I put anti stop thing on uh, on one character, and then completely wrecked him the second go around. So it wasn't it was just me uh, making some equipment mistakes. But then Vegnagun's gone. There's a giant hole there instead. Uh, and you, instead of encountering Vegnagun, because this is at the bottom of the faith faith pool of the Bevel Temple, uh, it's where you. It's near. It's not the same dungeon, but like basically directly above there is where you fought. Uh, is where you got Bahamut in Final Fantasy X. So you fight a weird ghost version of the Aeon Bahamut. Uh, because something's going on with the Aeons. Like, the, the Faith and the Aeons, Faith spelled F-A-Y-T-H, which is a, you know, a, a concept of collection of souls from Final Fantasy X. Like, the Faith and the Aeons and the Summons should be gone, but at the end of Chapter 2, you fight a weird Bahamut ghost, and now there are Aeons appearing again elsewhere in Spira at the beginning of Chapter 3. And I'm I'm a couple early side quests into Chapter 3, so is where I, I stopped playing. So that's a level like everything about Vegnagun and the Youth League versus New Yevon and the stuff about Aeons. That's a level of intrigue that's not bad, but it's just uh, like I exp- I went over it and explained it in about five or six minutes. Like this is barely a plot thread because the the whole game is just weighed down by all of these side quests and side activity. And with the expectation that players are going to try and get one hundred percent because they want to see the true ending. Uh, of what happens to Yuna or maybe even also Titus. It's like, I, I am mad at this game for having some good parts and weighing it down with, a, with so many, un, so much unnecessary baggage that, to, that's gatekeeping players away from something they genuinely want to see. Yeah. I, I, I am, I, I am so, I don't think this game is a trash fire. 
there, there's fun parts to it. I am, I want to keep playing to level up Samurai and Dark Knight some more. But I, I really am annoyed at this bare-bones story and the overabundance of boring side content. That, 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 that's, my, that's my thoughts. I, I'm sorry for ranting a little bit. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I'm a little bit in a similar place. Part of part of it for me is that because I just played Final Fantasy X, you know, nine, ten months ago, um, you know, as you said, you don't just like you don't just copy paste assets. That's not how games work. However, the these are still very similar areas. These are still um kind of the same locales and I, oh it's it's this it's the same mushroom rock road Don't yeah <laughs> yeah it pretty much is and there's just so i've just seen all of this stuff already you know six over 60 hours a few months ago so i'm just not really that interested in seeing spira right now and in a way that is more open and what I think is more detrimental to its design. Um, you know, 10 is a linear game, and I think it works in that way. Um, but opening up this design and having to retread ground or not being sure where you're supposed to go a lot of the time, it doesn't do it many favors. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. Um, for, for my money, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on the superfluousness of this, a lot of the side content. And I really do not like the lack of signposting. That's a pet peeve of mine in a lot of RPGs. I, I don't like the fact that I can accidentally miss a bunch of content. Um, especially, even if most of it is uninteresting in 10 case, there is some stuff that I feel like should be uh, less sequestered off. Um, like um, like that one dungeon with the Crimson Spheres. Um, I do like some of the, like Mike said, a lot of these uh, these interesting points in the story. And, I mean, I'm, since I'm the one who's played this before, I'm not going to talk spoilers, but I will say that there are some moments later on that I do find effective, um, I, I've, which I think I've already I've um, foreshadowed already. Um, but that being said, Tensu is definitely a very strange, very silly game in a lot of respects. And in some ways, it kind of begs the player not to take it too seriously. Pretty much from the word go, once you have Yuna in hot pants firing twin glocks um the bar has shifted to a different kind of entertainment not necessarily a bad kind of entertainment there is room in this world for pulp and schlock um but it is a drastic shift for the series at the time not only is this the first sequel um, in Final Fantasy history. This is also um, one of the first games to come out right after the Square Enix merger. I can only imagine how the fan base in 2003 was, was reacting to this. Yeah, it's, it, it was weird. Um, like, like there's so much forum speculation and misinformation about that. Uh, how uh, basically, like, um, I don't want to get into the business side of the merger, but like Enix did not ruin Final Fantasy X. 
with the FF10 too. Like P, like P, Square no. fans blaming Enix for what ha- for what Square did in the 2000s is ludicrous. That's ridiculous. Um, yes. And uh, and, and weirdly, uh, like the sh- the shareholders for Enix got a better return than the shareholders for Square. So it was a merger with Enix sort of getting the better end of the deal. It was it was if you had to call one an acquisition, it would be Enix acquiring Square, even though it- because Square lost tons of money on Spirits Within. Yeah, Spirits Within and uh, and. Um, I think one or two other game projects, but mostly Spirits Within. Uh, the the thing is, this game does a few interesting things with gameplay, and it wants to revisit Final Fantasy X because that's a popular game, and I don't have a problem with that either. Even and it, but the problem is they do so in such an empty way. The like these like I don't mind a, an RPG that's that's overburdened with with optional side quests, but. To make these side quests so uninteresting, and to lock major uh, major story content behind 100% completion, is a little offensive to me. Like, like, uh, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm a moderate fan of, I'm a casual fan of FF10. I, th- I think it's good, but I'm not super interested in in diving deep into the lore of it. Um, if I was an FF10 super fan and I had to get 100% on this thing to get the scene I wanted. And I missed one Crimson Sphere. I would just be furious. And I, it's it's uh, it's it's opaque game design that is is not like like opaque game design in Dark Souls rewards uh, players exploring more and rewards patience and teach and is a game of information. It sort of like players have to learn their way through the game for success. Yeah. Dark it, Souls is a community effort in a lot yeah. of ways. Like, yeah, exactly. Final Fantasy X two punishes players. For making an like an extremely for overlooking extremely easy things like not talking to one NPC in one town that you don't have to visit in chapter one, yeah. like, and that's I I I, there, I don't like anything about that. So Final Fantasy X two, I'm playing it for the job system and to keep my perfect record of beating all of the retro encounter games in in 2020 so far. <laughs> there you go. I will say um. Getting the true end, the true ending, the 100% ending, is really just an extra scene tacked on to the good ending, um, which is a lot more doable. Um, I think my first playthrough back in Yielden days, I was I was a 56% completion. Um, talk to Macon every opportunity you get. There's a certain scene where you have to press X to whistle. Do that a bunch of times. Um, and then I think I think I, I think I already missed that, but I don't give a damn as long as you don't miss any dress spheres. Was it was it the point where you fell into the far plane? Uh, no, I, I didn't fall into the far plane. Okay, then then you haven't missed it yet. Um, you'll be, you'll be just control. It'll be just Yuna. The others won't be there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and then the at the end, very end, after final boss, you will be given a a choice um to make, and that determine if you if you fulfilled the prerequisites of talking to making enough times um, and uh, whistling in chapter three. Again, it is still a little opaque. I'm totally not like saying it isn't, but that's how you get the good ending, which is more or less like the same as the hundred percent ending minus one extra scene. This um, does not make me any more lenient on the bad design decisions in this game. I don't yeah, think I, it's a it's, good design decision. I don't like, even I, really like the good ending, but I'm just saying, <laughs> And I'm just saying, I, th- I think we're done talking about Final Fantasy X-2 for today. Like I, again, I, I like parts of this game and find other parts very frustrating. But uh, Eva, you and I are both new players to this. 
Um, and and are, are you around the same part as I am? Maybe like early-ish chapter three, maybe a little further ahead than me. Oh no, I'm in end of chapter two. Is okay. I'm actually okay. a sorry. Bit sorry behind. if I. Okay, sorry if I spoiled the Bahamut fight oh, for you. Then it's 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 not I, hard. I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right attitude. But do you have any any expectations or ideas for what may happen in the second half? Um, no. <laughs> I just I'm just you know I I play games through. You know I've played uh, a few dozen games this year to completion. I've only dropped one. So this is not going to be drop number two for me because I, you know, I'm playing it for the podcast and that's cool. Um, I just, I just want eternal happiness for Yuna. I don't really care what happens to the other characters. Um, that's about it. <laughs> I enjoy Payne's uh, stoicism and her first unwillingness to do a Charlie's Angels pose with Yuna and Riku, and then a sort of reluctant cool girl pose with them from then on like, like minus, that, 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 that's a moment minus four respect points riku that that scene is funny i like it yeah and oh man we're like talking about scenes of bad dialogue how about every word that brother says um i one. hate i i cannot stand brother and it is even worse because he and yuna are cousins oh mm. what yeah oh it's, and and Remember, riku, she and riku are related yes and which makes the which makes this the uh the hot spring scene, even worse. Like, uh, where she's like feeling her up. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, t- yeah, the, we'll t- okay. So, okay, we'll talk. I, I think in the next episode, we'll talk more about how there are a heck of a lot of men working on this game, and uh, mm. there is some there is some questionable ass fan service. Yes. Um, but um, I I do before before we go, I do want to leave a parting thought, um, because Mike mentioned brother and mentioned buddy. But you did not mention the most important character on the Celsius, which is Shinra. Uh, no, I, I mentioned Shinra, the the the, the jerk little kid uh, that's a know-it-all well, that I definitely have to play rounds of spear, sphere break again if I want the next job yeah. uh, dress but sphere. But did you know mm-hmm. that the developers named him Shinra because in their heads, Shinra would eventually grow up to build rockets into space, colonize another planet, oh, and yeah. form the Shinra Corporation. Peter, I just hate... Making I just Final Fantasy yes, I, <laughs> Yeah, I am, I am aware of the theory of Final Fantasy X as a, as a mega prequel to I'm Final just Fantasy saying, VII. I'm just saying, and they have the same writer on the Seven remake, I'm expecting my lore dump. <laughs> and I'm just saying, we're really done talking about Final <laughs> Fantasy X too now. Uh, but we aren't actually done because next week we're doing another episode on Final Fantasy X 2. Hopefully Eva and I have not, uh, like given ourselves concussions, banging our heads against the walls of our homes. Oh, it could be, it could be worse. It could be worse. Titus could kick a blitz ball and explode the spinoff novel. Anyway. So, right. Uh, next week we're going to finish off the Final Fantasy X 2 discussion. Hopefully, uh, Eva and I do not, uh, uh, end our respective um, personal streaks of completing games. Uh, I, my, I, I've abandoned multiple games in 2020, but none for the podcast. I, I always fail to finish at least one po- podcast game in a calendar year. If, if I were to go over all the games I've been on episodes of, I, I can I can find at least one that I've 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 fission mailed on. But I, that hasn't happened yet in 2020. So hopefully I can finish off the year doing that. And to and um. That would entail finishing Final Fantasy X-2 in the next week, and also finishing 
uh, Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre before mid-September because la- because later later this year we are doing three episodes dedicated to Supergiant Games: 2011's Bastion, 2014's Transistor, and 2017's Pyre. Uh, each of those is getting a dedicated episode in December. Also in December is the 25th anniversary of the Tales of series. Peter, you got to play one of those. Eventually. I, I, I have um, Vesperia Definitive Edition. It is lined up. Mm-hmm. Perfect choice to start. Um, Eva, have you played much Tales of? We've probably had this discussion and I just forgot. And I have not played a single minute of a Tales game either. <laughs> all right. So I am all of the Tales experience on this episode. But uh, when we record that episode in December, there will be three other Tales of fans and I engage in a Tales of Fantasy Sports draft, where we going to to um, have a similar gimmick to what we did last year for Final Fantasy, but with Tales of in honor of the 25th anniversary of Tales of Fantasia. Uh, so I, I th- um, and you know what I can mention the January game too because we voted on it months ago. In January we're doing two episodes on Batan Kaitos, but the rest of the month is not quite planned out. Uh, but if you want, if you want to email us or just get in contact with us and suggest future games for the podcast or future topics or what have you, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also visit uh, rpgfan.com's message boards or our Facebook page or Instagram or Twitter or Discord server or Twitch channel. There's something streaming on Twitch nearly every day. Uh, there's also three other podcasts on RPG Fan, Random Encounter about randomness, Rhythm Encounter about RPG music, and Phoenix Edge, which is also a weekly podcast mostly focused on current events. You can review uh, review any of those three or Retro Encounter on iTunes or Google Play or whatever podcast listening venue you prefer. Please leave feedback. Uh, I prefer positive feedback, but as long as it's constructive, I'll take whatever we can get. That, like the that really skeezy Facebook status that they phased out a couple of years ago. But uh, speaking of social media, let's tell the listeners where they can find each of us, uh, starting with you, Eva. So you can find me on RPG Fans uh, Twitter and Facebook, and you can also find me on my personals as at Eva Lease on Discord, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, and Peter. Uh, you can email me, PeterT at RPGFan.com, or um, at I Have Fury on Twitter. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter most easily. I'm at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. I am also Monsoon Mike on RPG Fans Discord. I also have an RPG email that is Solosi at RPGFan.com, but I rarely check it, and it's full of spam from the one or two e- uh, E3 email lists I filled out four years ago. It's <laughs> that email is a mess. I, like, find me on Twitter; it's much easier. <laughs> But uh, you can find us next week with more Final Fantasy X-2. For now, thank you, good night, and good luck.
E M P. I, I liked uh, electromagnetic pulse more than profe- uh, masters in professional engineering. <laughs>